wanting to do a series on emotions for a long time. We've been planning to do a series on emotions after uh, our series on Ephesians got over, long before this challenge came out or we had any idea. So the only thing we did is once this became so big, we're like, we got to use that name because that's a big deal right now. So uh, we are going to be talking about feelings. We're going to be talking about emotions. We're going to be talking about how we can handle the things that we feel. I believe that we live in the most feelings-driven generation in history. Um, And that has some advantages. Let me say this up front. There's some good things about the generation we live in. We live in the most uh, mental illness-aware generation in history. One, because we have more science and understanding of it. But, But we also live in a generation where it's becoming more and more okay to have mental illness, uh, to be prescribed with medication for mental illness, to seek help for mental illness, and that's a really good thing. If anybody's struggling with mental illness, uh, this series is not here to tell you that, man, you can handle all your emotions, and you can handle all this on your own, and you never need to seek help or get a doctor or seek medication. Let me just get that out of the way up front. Uh, We're going to talk about what the Word of God says for how we can handle our emotions, and in a lot of cases, we're going to be able to just handle it biblically. But I absolutely believe in doctors, I absolutely believe in medication, and I absolutely believe that it's okay for us to seek those things out. In fact, I've had multiple family members growing up who had mental illness, who who were on medication for mental illness. I've seen it very, very up close and very firsthand, and I'm very grateful that they got help for the things that they need. So let's get that out of the way up first. Now that that's out of the way, there are some disadvantages to our emotionally driven generation to our emotionally driven culture. Um, When I was a kid, Mazda Car Corporation came out with this ad campaign. I don't know how many of you guys remember it, but it said this. It was in the late 80s. It was, it just feels right. Uh, and, And I think that kind of is the motto of our generation when it comes to a lot of things. How do we make our decisions? Man, it just feels right. How, how do we choose a life partner? Man, it just feels right. How, how do we decide what career we're going to pursue or when we're going to get out of bed or what we're going to eat? It just feels right. And unfortunately, feelings lie, don't they? Man, I've seen a whole lot of people follow their feelings into terrible relationships. I've seen a whole lot of people follow their feelings into unproductive careers where they end up in a dead-end job and they wish, how did I ever get here? I've seen a whole lot of people follow their feelings into places that I believe God never intended for them to go. And so I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about our feelings, about how we can handle them, how we can manage them, how we can control them, because here's what I believe. I believe if I don't control my feelings, my feelings are going to control me. Right? In fact, you're going to hear that a lot. That's going to be our bottom line statement for our message today, but it's actually going to be our bottom line statement for our series as we go through this. If I don't control my feelings, my feelings are going to control me. Now, now let me say this as we get ready to kick off this series. I don't know if this is God's sense of humor or what, but I'm not feeling it today. Anybody else just be real? I'm not feeling it today. I'm like, there's two of us. Okay, thank you, Bryce. Me and Bryce aren't feeling it. The rest of y'all are awesome or liars. I'm not sure which. Um, I'm not feeling it today. We went on vacation this week, um, and I, we've been doing this thing in 2018 where I made the decision. Um, I, I, I'm kind of, I've given up soda except for vacation, right? So I started, I had some Mountain Dew this week. 
Um, I had too much Mountain Dew this week. Um, and I got a little dehydrated, and I've been, like, super lightheaded. And so the last couple of days, I've been guzzling water trying to catch up, and I still haven't caught up. So I'm, I'm kind of out of it. Uh, so if I, like, collapse on the stage, um, just ignore me. I'll be fine. Um, but, but I'm going to do my best to make it through. But I am so not feeling it today. But you know what? I'm not going to let my feelings keep me from what God's called me to do. And I believe that God's put together a message for us, that he's given me a message that's going to connect, that, that's going to empower you, that's going to give you some tools and equipping to push through the challenges that come in your life because of your feelings. So we're going to talk about some things that we have to understand in order to handle our emotions, in order to handle and control our feelings. In fact, starting next week, we're going to start looking at specific emotions specific feelings that we all face. Next week, we're going to talk about anger. Then we're going to move our way through and, and look at a different emotion each week. But today's going to be more general. It's going to be more foundational on how do we control emotions and feelings in general. So I want to give you today, if you're taking notes, seven things you need to know if you're going to control your feelings. Seven things to know to control my feelings. Number one, and this one might surprise you, feelings are a blessing from God. Feelings are a blessing from God. Now, that's probably not what you were expecting me to say. You are probably expecting me to tell you how we well, just said, feelings lie, right? Well, God doesn't bless me with lies. No, of course not. But our feelings are a blessing from God. Aren't you glad God didn't make you an emotionless robot? Right? What, what would life be like if we had no highs, no lows, we were just this person? You might know somebody who kind of lives that monotone life. Right? We, we don't enjoy that. There's nothing interesting about that. You didn't want me to get up here and start speaking in a monotone voice and tell you about emotions like a robot. Right? Nobody wants that. God created us as emotional beings. He designed us as emotional beings. Emotions are designed to be a blessing from God. But how many of you know just because God designed something to be a blessing doesn't mean the enemy doesn't come in and try to pervert it and twist it and use it against us. We can find so many examples, relationships that God designed to bless us that have hurt so many people. Man, sexuality, which God designed to bless us, has hurt many, many people. We can find again and again examples of things that God gave us as a blessing, but the enemy and our own flesh have turned against us. So understand this up front. Emotions and feelings are a blessing. God wants you to experience feeling in life. God, God wants you to experience joy. He wants you to experience happiness. He wants you to experience peace. There are times where it's appropriate for you to experience anger or sadness. He's designed us to need a mourning process. I met with the family last night who's has a memorial service I'm going to do tomorrow. Lost a very precious aunt, mother, sister, grandparents. Man, that's a hard emotion to go through, but I believe God has designed for us to grieve. That there's something that happens, there's something that heals within us when we grieve properly. So emotions are supposed to be a blessing, even the ones that we may not always think are positive emotions. They've been designed to bless us, but we have to keep them in their proper perspective. The next thing we need to understand if we're going to learn how to control 
and manage our emotions is this. Number two, I am a three-part being. We've got to give some background information. This might seem like it goes away from emotions, but it's going to come back. I promise. I'm a three-part being. You see, the Bible teaches us that we are created spirit, soul, and body. In fact, I can prove it to you. First Thessalonians tells us this in chapter 5, verse 23. Paul is writing this, and he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're designed as spirit, soul, and body. We are three-part beings. Our spirit is the eternal part of us. The spirit is the part that connects with God. Our soul is the human part of us. It's the part that connects with others, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our body is the physical part of us. It's the part that connects with the physical world around us. But if you're going to understand how to control your emotions, you have to understand what your emotions are. You have to understand where your feelings come from. And we're going to talk about that because number three is going to say this, my feelings are located in my soul. Feelings are located in the soul. Let's talk a little bit more about spirit, soul, and body. When you receive salvation, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says very famously, right? It says that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation, old things have have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, right? Everything's new. Well, let's, let's go through a checklist. When you got saved, did you get a new body? No? You look the same? You, you didn't go in and get, receive salvation with black hair and come out with green hair? Right? Like, we get this, right? This is obvious. It's ridiculous to even say it. We know we didn't receive a new body. We got the same body that we had when we receive Jesus. But here's where we get confused because we don't see our soul. When you receive salvation, you didn't get a new soul either. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are the same mind, will, and emotions that you were born with. You got a new spirit because your spirit is the very essence of you. The, the spirit is the eternal part of you. The spirit is the part that God sees and knows. And so when you receive Jesus your old spirit died, and he gave you a new spirit. You're a new creation. When he looks at you, you're a new creation. But you guys still got the same memories. You still got the same hang-ups from your childhood, right? You, you still got the same likes and dislikes. You didn't, man, like the Dallas Cowboys and then receive Jesus and now like the Seattle Seahawks. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately, um, right? Like, we, we, nothing changes in our soul. And so biblically, here's what I've come to understand, is that when you receive salvation, your spirit is instantly saved, but your soul begins the process of being saved. I used to hear it taught that, that your, your spirit was the only part of you that was eternal, but I don't think that's true. I think your soul is eternal. I think you're going to take your mind with you to heaven. I think you're going to take your will with you into eternity. I think you're going to take your emotions in eternity. I think we're still going to feel stuff. Because I think that was the way God designed us. But I believe when we come to eternity, our soul will be fully restored to God's original design. But between now and then, we got to work on our soul. Our soul doesn't always function the way it needs to, the way it's supposed to. So that brings us to number four. I have to control my soul. I have to control my soul. 2 Corinthians 10, 15 
puts it this way, talking about one aspect of the soul. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Where's the thought? It's in my mind. Where's my mind? It's in my soul. It's giving us the implication here, the teaching here, the principle here that I'm in control of my soul. I'm not always in control of every thought that comes into my mind, but I am in control with what happens when that thought gets there. Do I dwell on it? Do I emphasize it? Do I play it out? Do, do, do I keep seeking what this thing is thinking about, or do I take it captive and make it obey Jesus? You see, I believe that the Bible doesn't tell us to do anything that we're not capable of doing once we receive the Holy Spirit. Once God's given us his Holy Spirit, I believe we now have been empowered to walk out his word. And so if the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive and make our thoughts obey Jesus, then guess what? You can take your thoughts captive. And you can make your thoughts obey Jesus. I'll give you another example of Scripture teaching us that we're in control of our soul. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't become like everybody around you. Don't conform to this generation, man. If we live in a feelings-led generation, doesn't mean we have to be feelings-led people. So don't conform, but be transformed, be changed. What does that mean? That means that our soul isn't saved yet. It's in process. It needs to be transformed. It's not where it needs to be. And so he says, renew your mind. In other words, that's my job. See, I can't save my spirit. Only Jesus can do that. I can't transform my spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I can't save myself. Only God can do that. But once I've received that salvation, now God's put the ball in my court, and he said, now I want you to begin to change your soul. I want you to begin to take control of your mind, your will, and your emotions. The New Testament spends a lot more time talking about the mind than it does the emotions because the New Testament primarily was written to a very Greek culture. And the Greek culture was very intellectual. And they, they, they were very mind-driven. They were very thought-driven. They were very intellectually driven. I believe if the Bible was written today, it would spend a lot more time talking about emotions than the mind. At least if it was written in America. Because <laughs> we are not an intellectually driven culture. We are not a mind-driven culture. We are a feelings-driven culture. We are an emotions-driven culture. But, but, see, the mind and the emotions are, are, are intertwined. They're connected in the soul. And so I believe when the Bible tells us things about our mind, when it talks about the way we think, I believe we can very easily apply that to our feelings. So number four, I have to control my soul. Number five, I can't always control how I feel but I can control how I react to my feelings, right? I can't always control how I feel. When my alarm clock went off today, I did not want to get out of bed. Anybody else, when your alarm clock went off, you, okay, now we got some honest people in the house, ready to go to bed, ready to go to sleep. I have, you know, people tell me every once in a while, like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it through service today, Pastor. Uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. It happens, right? It's okay. No judgment. You're free to struggle here. Just, just fight it. But I don't always control the way I feel. I don't always control, man, if, if I'm happy or I'm sad. I don't always control if I'm, I'm excited or I'm angry. I don't always control if I'm 
apprehensive or I'm at peace, right? Like that's not always in my control, but what is in my control is what I do with those emotions, what I do with those feelings. Are those feelings going to control me or am I going to control my feelings? We live in a generation where we have college students who, who, who have thoughts and ideas that, that are so offensive to them that they say, man, I need a safe place. I can't even hear you talk about this. And we're empowering these ideas that, that if we get triggered by something, if something hurts me and I don't like the way that you think, I don't have to listen to you. And what are we doing? We are training up people to believe that their emotions are in control. That, that no matter what I, that what I do is determined by how I feel. And I think that we're doing those kids a great disservice. I think we are cheating them the opportunity to embrace some things that are uncomfortable. You know, sometimes God wants some uncomfortable things for us. You know, sometimes discomfort is actually healthy and beneficial. You know, every time I ever took cough medicine as a kid, I hated it. I never took cough medicine and was like, can I have some more, Mom? Like, man, can you just pour that in a cup? I'm going to throw that down. Never, never when I wasn't sick, I was like, Mom, can I have some cough syrup today? Right? It was uncomfortable. I hated it, man. I had to always have, like, something to drink behind it. I had to chase it uh, because I hated the taste of cough syrup. But you know what? My mom made me take it because she loved me. Because she's the mama. That's right. You do what mama says, whether you like it or not, right? And I believe in the same way that mom can control her kids and have her kids push through their emotions. I believe God's given you that same control of your own emotions. That same ability to push through things that may not feel good, to push through days where you may not be feeling it, to push through seasons where it may feel like, man, God's glory has departed and I have no connection with his presence and it feels like everything is going wrong. I think sometimes we go through a wilderness season, but there's an end of that season coming. I believe that we can actually be in control of what we do with our emotions because if I don't control my feelings, my feelings will control me. So we've got to learn how to be in control. Here's the good news, church. Number six, Jesus is the perfect example of overcoming emotions. See, God sent Jesus, yes, to die for our sins. Yes, to live a perfect life and to conquer sin, to conquer death. Yes, to empower us to receive salvation. But he also sent Jesus to be a role model to be an example for us, to be the big brother that we could look up to who handled things right and well that we could model our life after, that we could imitate him. And Jesus, you know Jesus had emotions too? You know Jesus had feelings too? You know the Bible shows us a whole lot of example of Jesus getting caught up in his feelings but still doing the right thing in spite of it? Let me show you some examples. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks to his disciples about his joy being made full. We know that Jesus experienced joy. We saw numerous times where Jesus had anger at religious hypocrisy. A couple times that are very famous. We see Jesus feel compassion at the hurting of others. Very famously, Jesus even cried at the funeral of Lazarus, of his friend. Not because he was hurt for Lazarus. He knew Lazarus was in a good place and about to have a great miracle take place. But he cried because he felt compassion for those who didn't know that. 
for those who were hurting at the loss of their friend, their brother, their loved one. Jesus cared how they felt. Why? Because Jesus had feelings. Still does, actually. We see him time and time again have feelings. Jesus felt frustration at the lack of faith of his disciples. Man, Jesus gets annoyed with those 12 dudes, doesn't he? Oh, you of little faith. How much longer do I have to put up with you? Jesus got annoyed sometimes with the people around him. Mom, maybe that's encouragement to a mom out there. Oh, you of little faith. How much longer do I have to put up with you? Right? You're just quoting Jesus. You're quoting Scripture. Jesus felt. That's encouragement for somebody. Jesus felt. Time and time again, Jesus felt. Why? Because yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man. See, sometimes I think we get caught up in the fact that he was fully God and we miss the fact that he was fully man. But you know when he was on earth, he emptied himself of his power and his place as God and took the place as man. So when he was on earth, he was really more man than he was God. He operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that he could teach us you can do these same things. Because you're not God, but you do have the Holy Spirit. So he could model it for us. And so he modeled for us godly handling and control of our feelings and emotions. I want to show you one example. If you turn to Luke chapter 22. See, Jesus even felt overwhelmed by something his father was asking him to do. You ever feel overwhelmed by something God wanted you to do? You ever look at God and say, God, not me. Ever look at God like Moses and say, God, just pick somebody else. Here's why I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't speak well enough. You got the wrong one. You know, even Jesus looked at the call that God had on his life and said, man, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm strong enough. And that encourages me. To know that my Savior, my Lord, my God, even felt a little overwhelmed at times. Because guess what? Sometimes I get a little overwhelmed. Sometimes I look at my to-do list and I'm like, there's no way. God, I got a wife. God, I got two kids. God, how am I going to get all of this done? But I remember that Jesus felt overwhelmed too. And so in Luke 22, we find Jesus feeling overwhelmed. Jesus went out, it says, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, verse 40, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. I always think that's a hilarious phrase, a stone's throw. It's like, who's throwing the stone? But anyway, different people have different brains on their throws. So he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup most of you probably know the context, but just in case somebody doesn't, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to have nails nine inches long driven through his wrists, through his feet. He's about to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. The Romans whipped you 39 times because they believed if you were whipped 40 times, you'd die. The whole thing was designed to bring you within an inch of losing your life. He was about to face all of this after having done nothing wrong. He was going to die a criminal's death despite being the only perfect human who ever lived. And as he gets ready to do that and die in your place and die in my place, 
Jesus Christ himself said, hey, is there a plan B? As he started to look face to face at the pain he was going to experience in his body, and I believe the weight of the sin of the world he was going to have to carry in his spirit, as he began to realize this is drawing near, he said, wait, Dad, isn't there another way? Jesus felt overwhelmed. But then he said this, and this is what I want to empower God's people with today. Very famously, he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, God, but yours be done. God, if I'm being real honest, I don't like this thing you're asking me to do. God, if I'm being real honest, I don't feel equipped and adequate to handle this thing you set before me. But God, I know it's not about my will. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And so I submit my will to the will of the Father. I lay down my desires and I say, God, whatever you want, because I know you know what's best. I know you know what's best for me. I know you're going to protect me. I know you're going to see me through. I know you're faithful. And so whatever you want, God, I submit to that. I believe it is time for a generation to raise up and say, God, not my will but yours be done. I believe God is looking for followers of Jesus who would begin to take life's challenges, the little bitty challenges of getting out of bed in the morning and the big emotional challenges of pushing through that hard conversation, of dealing with that difficult person, of dealing with whatever it is you've got to face. I believe God's looking for some people who would say, God, not my will, but yours be done. In fact, I believe the key to managing and controlling our emotions, the key to making sure that I'm in control of my feelings and my feelings aren't in control of me is in those little words right there. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Verse 7, or number 7, excuse me. When I'm not feeling like doing what I know is right, I must submit my will. I think there's so much power in honesty. There's so much power in transparency. My favorite book of the Bible, many of you probably know this, but I'm, I'm a Psalms guy through and through. I love the Psalms. Why do I love the Psalms? I, I didn't grow up loving the Psalms. When I was in Bible college, I took a class on Psalms and was in this class on Psalms that I, I, I began to realize a lot of things, that I began to be taught a lot of things. And one of the things that I was taught is that, you know, 75% of the book of Psalms is actually what we call laments. 75% of the 150 Psalms, 75% of them are complaints. God, you promised me this, but life is doing this. What the heck? What's going on? 75% is David or another psalmist going and saying, God, I thought this was supposed to happen. I did the right thing. How come I don't see what I thought I was going to have? Psalms is brutally honest but the amazing thing about the book of psalms is somewhere in there and sometimes it's early and sometimes it's late but somewhere in every lament in every complaint there's this turn where the psalmist makes this declaration of faith but god even though i don't see it i will trust in you i will believe in you i know you are good i know you are great even though life doesn't look the way i thought it was supposed to i know you're there and you are for me and not against me 
see, David and the psalmist understood that it was okay to feel. It was okay to question. It was okay to have doubts. It was okay to not always have everything line up the way that we think it's supposed to. And it was okay to be real with God about that. But as they came before him, as they bore their heart to him, as they were transparent and real about their feelings, something began to happen. Some faith began to rise up. They found some strength inside and they said, yes, God, I know your word is true even though I don't see it right now. I know your promises are yes and amen even though they're not bearing fruit in my life right now. I know you're up to something even though I don't feel it. Not my will, God. Your will be done. See, the key I believe to managing and pushing through emotions, man, because sometimes we're mad and we want to hurt somebody. Sometimes we're depressed and we don't want to get out of bed for days. Sometimes we're hurt and we're bitter and we don't want to deal with that pain. We want to let that thing fester. We want to be offended. Sometimes we have a lot of feelings that are contrary to what we know is God's best. It's okay. Can I just tell you that today? Maybe somebody needs to hear that. It's okay to feel that way. You're not a sinner because you have bad feelings. You're not rebellious because you don't feel the way that you think you should feel. It's okay to have some feelings that are off. It's okay to get help for those. If you need some medication, if you need to see a doctor, it's okay. But I believe God has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to submit our thoughts the way that 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we take him captive. The way that Romans 12.2 says we renew our mind. I believe God's word and God's spirit has made it possible for us to submit our will the way that Jesus submitted his will. He said, God, not what I want, but what you want. I don't want to do this. I don't want to die. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to go through all this, God. But if you say this has to happen, I trust you that it's for the best. I don't submit my will to him. If he can submit his will, and the word teaches us we can submit our mind, I believe it follows very simply that we can submit our emotions. That they are under our control. And that we can offer them up to him. It's okay to feel doubt. It's okay to feel frustration. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to feel. But we got to take those feelings and we got to give them to Him. You know what the Word says in 1 Peter? It says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. You know what casting requires? I'm not a good fisherman, so I'm the wrong person to teach this, but I'm going to teach it anyway. You cast that rod. You cast that hook out in the water. What do you, you can't hold on to it. You got to let it go, right? You got to send it out. You got to let it, you can't even see it. Fishing, fishing, is just, fishing is just faith, right? Like you're walking by faith, not by sight. I've trusted there's a worm still on that hook. I trust there's a lure. I trust there's a fish in that river. Like, I trust this thing's going to happen. It's just living by faith. He says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. 
we can take our feelings to the Lord. We can take our emotions to Him. We don't have to hide them. We don't have to make them look pretty and get them all cleaned up and make them just look right when we come to church, when we come to God's presence, when we go to Him in prayer. We can be real. We can be authentic. We can be transparent. But we got to trust Him. We got to release them. We got to cast them and trust, okay, God, this thing hurts. And I don't know how I'll ever get past this. I don't know how I'll ever forgive that person. But I know you've called me to forgive. I know that you've forgiven me of much. So I'm going to take my hands off of it. I'm going to cast it. And you know what? Sometimes you might have to cast day after day after day. Sometimes you might have to go back to that fishing hole and be like, all right, we're going to cast one more time. We're going to release it again. I'm going to trust again. Because the thing I'm really bad about is I'll cast and then I'll like take it back. Right? Like I'm an impatient fisherman. So I'll put that hook out there in like five minutes. I don't have a bite. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm done. Sometimes it's going to take some patience. Sometimes it means I'm going to have to pull it back and I'm going to have to cast it again. But we can trust him. We can rely on him. We can submit our feelings, our emotions, whatever they are, whatever they look like. If they're contrary to God's word, if they're against God's best, if the Holy Spirit inside of us is telling us, I've got something better for you. Not my will. Your will be done. I release it. I cast it. I give it to you. Because I trust you. And I believe there's healing that comes when we do that. Sometimes it comes instantaneously, and those days are awesome. Sometimes it comes in a process. Sometimes it's little by little bit by bit, cast by cast, day by day. But I believe we got to serve a God who will restore our feelings, who will restore our emotions, who will restore us if we'll trust Him, if we'll cast it to Him, if we'll submit our will and say, nevertheless, God, not my will, but Your will be done. Seven things we have to understand if we're going to control our emotions. Number one, feelings are a blessing from God. Number two, I'm a three-part being. Number three, feelings are located in the soul. Number four, I have to control my soul. Number five, I can't always control how I feel, but I can control how I react to my feelings. Number six, praise God, Jesus is the perfect example of overcoming emotions. And number seven, when I'm not feeling like doing what I know is right, I must submit. Because the reality is, church, if I don't control my feelings, my feelings are going to control me. Hunter shared, hey, I'm an emotional guy, he said. That's why we connect, because I'm not devoid of emotions myself. I feel a lot. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and it does get me into trouble, just like Hunter said. I've made a lot of stupid decisions following my feelings, but I serve a God of grace. Praise God, I serve a God of grace. That even when I do something dumb, he's there to help me pick up the pieces and help me learn from it and not have to make that exact mistake again because I got plenty of other emotions that can make me cause, make mistakes down the road. He's teaching me. He's growing me. He's making me more like Jesus. We can control our feelings, church. We can't always control the way we feel, but we can control what we do with those feelings. We can push through and we can submit him to him and watch him do something awesome. Amen. Would you pray with me today?
Father God, I thank you so much for these incredible people. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to point to Jesus as our example, to share, God, that we can handle this. We can be in control of our feelings. We don't have to let our emotions toss us this way and that. God, I pray that the truth of this message, the truth of your word would just resound in our hearts. God, that we would take this home with us. God, that we would apply it even this week, that we wouldn't procrastinate it, God, but we'd begin to grab hold of it. God, I pray that you would use this message to set some people free who are getting beaten left and right by their emotions, God, who, who, who are seeing so much struggle in their life because they've been led by their feelings. God, I pray that you'd set them free, set them off of that emotional roller coaster in Jesus' name. That they begin to learn how to submit their feelings to you. They begin to learn to, to give you these things, Lord, and trust you for your best in their life. God, we just confess right now, not our will, but your will be done. We want your will in our lives. We want your best. It's in Jesus' name we pray.